See, we should just have a mixer and everything. And, you know, look, there's amateurism going on. You know, let's just get it together. Well, hello there. I am back. It's been a while since you folks have heard from me on this podcast, anyway. And I thought I would kind of get back into podcasting this fall with uh, a topic that's a little bit different. I know that we like to talk about uh, travel and road tripping and all that other good stuff, and we will do more of that. You will hear from me on those subjects as well, um, perhaps sooner rather than later. Um, but I wanted to kind of dive back into a subject that I like to talk about a lot, and that is music and the subject of music on road trips often comes up. And so I want to kind of dive into that a little bit by uh, talking a little bit about my favorite band, uh, the Beatles. And I'm going to try to do the impossible this evening. And I know that if you ask every single person out there, uh, they will probably give you a different answer to this question than I even I will give you. But the question I'm going to try to answer tonight is... I'm going to try to rank the Beatles albums, and I'm going to give you my top ten. And, you know, as I said, for some of these, it's pretty impossible to come up with a definitive answer. Um, You know, I'm sure you guys will disagree with some of my choices. I think some of you will find my choices surprising at times. But, um, you know, you guys are also entitled to your opinion as well, just like I am. So... We're going to do a couple of things here. The Beatles will be first, and then I'll also be uh, diving into their solo career in the second segment of this show and um, talking about some of my favorite albums of theirs post-1970 and the breakup and all that stuff. But uh, as far as the Beatles are concerned, um, there are 13 albums that they released between 1963 and 1969. And I'm going to be going off of the UK albums that were released, not the American Capitol Records nonsense that they were trying to put together, um, I guess, for their own purposes in the US. Um, So there are 13 of them, which means that three of them did not make the cut for the top 10. And um, so I'll go through those first, and I'll kind of give you an overview of them. So... I guess if you had to pick one that would be at the bottom, and I think this is where a lot of people would agree, because um, unfortunately one of these albums has to be last, right? I mean, they're all they're all great in their own unique way, but um, I would say that number 13, or quote-unquote last, would be Yellow Submarine, released in January 1969, um, although a lot of the stuff here was recorded far earlier than that, going back as far as 1966 with the song Yellow Submarine, and then there were a couple of outtakes from Sgt. Pepper in there from 67, some outtakes from the White Album from 68, uh, so you so there there's a lot of stuff that's pretty dated on here. It's pretty much a, a lot of people would say it's a bunch of outtakes on the A side, and then on side two, it's the film score from George Martin's orchestra. Um, although I will say that this album does have a couple of my favorite Beatles songs on it, and that is Hey Bulldog and um, It's All Too Much, which is a great rocker. Both of them are great rockers, in fact. Another one of the honorable mentions that didn't make the top ten is Magical Mystery Tour. Now, this album... 
um, was not released in the UK until the mid-70s, I think. It was originally released in the U.S. in 1967 in December of that year. Um, the uh, songs on this album for the film are... They're pretty good. I mean, the, the title track for the film, Magical Mystery Tour, is a very good song. I really like that one. Um, side two of the album has... It's basically, and this is where I have an issue with this album, because it starts to feel more like a compilation, more than an album. So basically what they did with side two of this album is they put together the EP original release in the UK, which is the songs for the film, Magical Mystery Tour, and then on side two they put together all the singles and all the B-sides, so you're really not getting a cohesive thing with this. You're just kind of getting all the songs that were left over and not put on a UK album in the first place in 67. Um, and so all those songs get kind of clumped onto this album, which it's okay to listen to, but again, it, it suffers from continuity issues as far as I'm concerned. And while a lot of the songs are really good, there's not really a good flow from track to track on here. So that's that album. And then lastly, of the early albums that they did, I would say that Beatles for Sale is their weakest. Um, it was recorded in late 64, coming off of... I mean, they're in the midst of Beatlemania at this point. It's coming off the heels of A Hard Day's Night, which they had done earlier in the year. And just by listening to this album, you can tell that it was rushed in the studio you could tell that the guys are tired. And keep in mind, like when Beatlemania started, it didn't stop for the better part of three years. And I don't even... I think it's a miracle they kept it going as long as they did, to be quite honest. Um, and even the album cover, too, is pretty lackluster. I know it's, it's a color photo, and it, it looks great color-wise, but you can tell that the guys are just like, not another one of these fucking albums. So... Uh, again, of their early like Beatlemania stuff, I would say this album is at the bottom of the list. I don't even... I mean, the, the original songs that they contribute, the Lennon and McCartney stuff is okay, but the covers are just... To me, they sound uninspired, and they've done much better work than that on previous albums, and obviously on forthcoming albums. So those three albums, uh, Yellow Submarine... Magical Mystery Tour and Beatles for Sale did not make my top ten. Um, so that's a look at the three that missed the cut, unfortunately. So now the answer that you really want is, what is your top ten list uh, there, Daniel? And we will start with number ten. From 1963, uh, with the Beatles, this was their second album released that year. It was released in late 63, coming off the heels of their very successful debut album. This is one that I think gets overlooked by a lot of people. Uh, it kind of has the unfortunate uh, status of being sandwiched in between their debut album, Please Please Me, and their third album, which was A Hard Day's Night from early 64. Um, I think it's easy for this album to be overlooked and forgotten about as a result, because those other two albums are great in their own right. 
but this has some really great uh, Lennon McCartney songs. Um, All My Loving is a favorite of mine. Um, it also features George Harrison's first song that he wrote with uh, Don't Bother Me, which is a nice rocking song. Um, the covers that they do on this album, they have a they have some really good ones on here, like um, George Harrison doing Roll Over Beethoven, um, and then a couple others on here, like You Really Got a Hold on Me, and then Money, which is... I think they were trying to do a sequel to sort of twist and shout with uh, that last song on this album, which doesn't work as well as twist and shout does, but it's, it's still not too bad. Um, so again, I, I like, so with the Beatles is there at number 10, number nine. I mentioned this album already. I'll mention it again here for you. It is their debut album. Please, please me released in early 63. Um, you know, there's no greater beginning to their career that I can imagine than the opening of the first song on this album. I saw her standing there with McCartney chanting, counting them in, one, two, three, four. I just think that for a group as successful as the Beatles are, it is the perfect beginning to their career. And um, other songs in here that are great, I mean, the... Their first real masterpieces as songwriters, John and Paul. Uh, Please Please Me, Love Me Do. Um, even the song that they gave for George to sing, Do You Want to Know a Secret? That I really like that one. And everybody loves the last song on this album, the cover, uh, Twist and Shout, which is uh, an early classic uh, in the Beatles' output. Number eight, moving right along here. We have Help from early 1965. This is another um, album that supported a film that the Beatles were in, uh, like Magical Mystery Tour was. Um, I would say that this album has as good and as consistent an A-side of just about any other album they ever did. There's like from there are seven songs on the A side of this album, and I would I would tell you that all seven of them are great songs. Um, right on down the line, help the night before, you've got to hide your love away, which I love the addition of the flutes on that song. Um, I need you, which is another great early George song. Um, another girl, my favorite song on side A is you're gonna lose that girl. I just love the three part harmonies there with John, Paul, and George. It sounds great. It sounded great 60 almost years ago, and it still sounds great today. It still sounds fresh. And then Ticket to Ride, I think, is a fantastic um, close to side A. What I don't like about this album and what I think hurts it are its songs on side two. Um, the song that Ringo does is okay. Act Naturally, it's a cover song. Um... There's not that much else on side two that I like. Yesterday, I think, is... <laughs> this might be a little controversial, but I think Yesterday is an overrated song. I don't like it that much. Um, and the cover they do at the end, Dizzy Miss Lizzy, just, I find it a bit annoying, to be honest with you. But for side A and how great that side of the album is, I think it's definitely worthy of being in the top ten. Uh, number seven... 
I think this is going to surprise some people that it's this down on the list. Remember, we're at number seven out of 13 total albums, so we're in the middle of the pack here. I'm going to go with Rubber Soul. Um, it's a significant improvement over Help in that it's far more consistent from between side A and side B. Um, but, you know, it's not quite in the upper echelon yet. Although I have to tell you that Help and Rubber Soul and Revolver, those three albums in 65 and 66, were really the transformative period for the band in the studio. And they were really starting to learn the tricks of the trade as producers and starting to really expand their musical palette. And you can see the progression from one album to the next. Each album just seems to get more and more advanced and more and more daring at times, musically. Um, there's some great stuff on this album, Rubber Soul. I mean, the first two tracks on it, as good as first two tracks as there are on any album that they did. Drive My Car and Norwegian Wood. And um, right on down the line here, George's songs on this album are great. Um... My favorite of his being If I Needed Someone. And then he also did... What did he also do? He did Think For Yourself, which is another really good one. Uh, so that's Rubber Soul for you. Next up, we're at number six. I just mentioned this album a second ago, but it is Revolver. Um, came out in 1966. This was the last album that they did really as a touring band. And they managed to somehow find some time in the studio to, you know, record this. But again, this is another album in the sequence that shows the progression in the um, in their talents musically, and in their understanding of how to create great songs in the studio with all the tools that George Martin was providing them as producer. Um, George Harrison's songs again, you know. This is another album that showcases George's evolution as a songwriter. Uh, his songs, Love You Too, um, I Want to Tell You is another good one. But my favorite, of course, is the song that opens this album on side one, which is Tax Man. It's a great rock and roll song. Um, McCartney also really shines strong on this album with Eleanor Rigby. Um, of course, Lennon and McCartney wrote the song Yellow Submarine for Ringo to do, so that's that's the first time we get to hear that song. Um, and as I said, McCartney's at his best at, in the, on this album, I think. He's also on side two, does For No One. And a contender for me for favorite song on the whole album is Got to Get You Into My Life. That is a great song that I cannot pass up the opportunity to listen to. Okay, we're here in the top five, and I'm sure surprises are going to start to come in here. Um, number five, again, this is an album that I think most people would say is either one or at lowest number two on their list, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to drop a bombshell here and tell you that Abbey Road is number five. Now... Hear me out on this one. It is. It has nothing to do with side two of the album, which I said earlier that Help has as good of an A-side of any album that they ever did. Um, 
Abbey Road has as good a side B or a side two as any album that they ever did. Uh, the medley, which is a stroke of genius on the part of McCartney and Lennon. And George's song, Here Comes the Sun, leads it off. I mean, I think that's just fantastic. Really, George's songs on here, Something and Here Comes the Sun, two of the best songs George ever wrote, whether for the Beatles or in his solo career. Um, I'm just not a big fan of Side One. Um, I'm not a big fan of Come Together, for instance. I'm, I find it to be rather uninspired. And the lyrics aren't much better. Um, everything that could possibly be said about Maxwell's Silver Hammer has been said already. So I think the less said about that song, the better. And again, I, and Oh Darling is fine. I don't love it. I don't dislike it either. Um, and I Want You She So Heavy. Um, again, not... I'm not a big fan of that song, and I think it goes on about three minutes longer than it should. Um, so side one, to me, is not the side of this album that I listen to. It's If I have to listen to a side, it's side two by far. And uh, in, in my estimation, that does hurt its rankings, at least in my opinion. But, again, like I said, I marvel at the brilliance of the medley. I think it is one of the great... Um, contributions or great inspirations in all of rock and roll and certainly opened the doors to a lot of other bands to try to imitate um in the years to come of course i don't think anyone has done better than that at least to this point okay now doug did an episode of this podcast recently where he was talking about his uh I think he termed it his Mount Rushmore of drives or something like that. Around his state, it was an episode about the state of Maine, and he was talking about, I guess, his favorite uh, drives in the state of Maine, which is actually a really cool idea. I, I haven't, I haven't thought to do much much stuff like that, but I might have to do that in future episodes and give you more of an idea of my favorite drives in certain parts of the country. But anyway, we are in the top four now, and um, so I guess this is my Mount Rushmore of Beatles albums. And I, I think I should say at this point that obviously what you define to be the best album is kind of, you know, whatever your own terms are. Um, I think that the way that I try to look at it is it's not necessarily the albums that are the best musically, but they're the albums that we personally feel the most identified with and reach for the most often. And I think that's definitely true for me with this top four. I find myself returning to these four albums in particular um, way more often than, than the others. Um, not to say that the others aren't any good, because they certainly are. I mean, the Beatles albums, 1 through 13, you know, the worst album is great. And they just get greater to the point where number one is the greatest, as far as I'm concerned. So it's, it's, it's kind of an impossible task to narrow it down very far, but uh, that's what I am trying to do tonight. And uh, number four, we come to the White Album. 
the self-titled album The Beatles from 1968. I think the fact that this album is a double album helps because you get two discs, so double the material. And I just love the versatility and the variability of the material on this. You know, you can't get any better than the opening two tracks of the first disc, Back in the USSR and Dear Prudence. Um, and then you go through this roller coaster ride of different genres and different takes on uh, different kinds of either modern rock music or folk music or, you know, McCartney dabbling in like ragtime stuff from time to time it, it's really uh it demonstrates their brilliance as musicians and as i said it demonstrates their versatility um as artists and i say artists because i think that i think that most people consider revolution nine to be annoying and a waste of time um you know i might agree with you depending on the day but i do think that I don't think they put that on that album for no reason. So, whatever reason you think that is, um, I certainly leave that open to you to decide. Um, the other thing that I love about this album is the cover art. And I'm really... One of the things that I've always been a fan of are, are the cover designs for these albums. Um, not just with the Beatles, but in general. Um, I do kind of have a soft spot for graphic art design and stuff like that. Um, coming off of the colorful and artistic expressions that were the covers for Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper in 1967, to do a complete 180 on the White Album and just have, as the title, as the nickname suggests, a completely blank or white design. You know, incredibly plain on the exterior. And if you have the album like I do, you can open it up like a book. And it's blank on the inside as well. It's just got the four pictures of the guys and it's got the track listing. That is it. Um, and the pictures of the four guys are in black and white. Um, just the complete opposite or the antithesis of um, what had come before it. And it certainly was ballsy for them to do that and uh i think that it works beautifully and as i said the album is a work of art in its own right all right number three we're into the podium places here i don't know if well by the time this uh episode has gone out i don't think the formula one championship will have been quite decided yet but i think in the eyes of many that most people will say that Max Verstappen was they should have just handed him the championship uh, after testing in the offseason because his car has been that good all season sorry I just went on a little Formula 1 tangent there because I mentioned podiums and stuff like that but uh, let's talk about number 3 which is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band I just feel like I just mentioned that album didn't I just a minute ago um, I think for most people, this is one of the gold standard albums of not just the 1960s, but also the history of rock and roll. It was a complete game changer, um, in the music industry, how songs were recorded, how songs were produced, 
the versatility here, you know, bringing in different session musicians, bringing in, in the case of A Day in the Life, a full orchestra to record overdubs. It was just, as I said, it really was a game changer. It really took rock and roll in a completely different direction. And bands for the last 50 years have been trying to match the achievement here. And for my money, none of them have approached it. Um, from the very opening of this album, the title track, Ringo's song on here, I think, is perhaps his best effort in the Beatles. A little help from my friends. Um, and there's some other great songs on here. Like, I mean, I could just go on down the line. Getting Better, Fixing a Hole, uh, Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. One of my favorites, which is a really, which is, I think, is a sleeper among a lot of people, is Lovely Rita. Um, when I'm 64 is just a really cute song that can't help but put a smile on your face. And it's got, I might do a list of my favorite Beatles songs at some point. But uh, for my money, A Day in the Life is, it's on my short list, I know that. And as far as songs that close a Beatles album, this is as great and as suspenseful and as dramatic a finale to any Beatles album that they ever did. And I think that definitely helps its ranking, this album's ranking. Because I think we do tend to remember the last thing that we hear, you know, whether that is in any any musical setting, any concert, any whatever, any conversation that we have with a coworker, we tend to remember the thing that happens last because it's the most recent thing in our in the sequence, um, and they certainly ended that album with a bang, and that that ending still sticks with me more than. I'd say going on more than 20 years after I heard it for the first time. I mean, it's really, it was a transformative experience back then, and uh, it still, still has me on the edge of my seat as I listen to that song, even today. Number two, I think people might be surprised that I put this album this high, A Hard Day's Night, but it's for this, this album and the number one album, I think, largely belong here at the top two because for sentiment sentimental reasons um a hard day's night was released in early 64 my first experience with this album actually wasn't with the album itself it was with the film a hard day's night which is if you haven't seen the film and you're and you have any sort of curiosity about the beatles you owe yourself to see this film because it is it's hysterical. The four guys just having a blast. And um, the music itself on... The, the songs for the film itself are outstanding. Uh, the title track... Um, the song that I really like is I'm Happy Just to Dance With You. And I Love Her is a great song that McCartney wrote. Um, Can't Buy Me Love is another McCartney classic. Um... And the stuff on side two of this album isn't a sleeper either. The songs that were kind of left off of the film. Um, you Can't Do That is probably my favorite song on side two. Um, so I, I really got to know the, the music for this album from seeing the film way back when. I'm 
probably well, it's over 20 years now and uh, i loved the movie back then and i love it today and um it's one of those things that i really hold responsible for me becoming a beatles fan is seeing that film for the first time over 20 years ago um so yeah i love this album it's a great nostalgia piece and it's a it's such a nice thing to put on your record player and listen to um it's just such a treat so that's that's my number two and that leaves us with number one um which again i think is going to surprise some people i i don't know many people who rank this album this high but for me number one is let it be um and i actually to tell you the truth don't even think it's close um this album was one of the first that I really got to know, and this is going back even before I was into A Hard Day's Night. Uh, going back, this this goes back much further even than that. Um, it's one of the first albums that I remember listening to from end to end, and I and I loved it back then, even before I really understood what I was listening to. Um, and it's got. It's got my favorite McCartney Beatles songs on it, or at least most of them, you know, with, you know, with Let It Be, and then with um, Two of Us, which is a great duet that he does with John, um, Get Back, Long and Winding Road, and one of my favorite Beatles songs, period, is I've Got a Feeling, which is masterfully done. Uh, the tracks that were done on the rooftop of Apple, um, the rooftop concert, um, they come out really well on this. Um, even George's songs, you know, For You Blue and I Me Mine are fantastic. From start to finish, this is a great listen. Um, it is a lot more rough around the edges than some of the other albums because they because these previous albums on the list were all done in the studio. They were all... You know, you could say they were mixed properly. They were not recorded in a live setting like this album was. Of course, the original idea behind this album was that it was supposed to be a live album. Um, so there is a lot of the roughness around the edges with this album that a lot of the previous albums on this list don't have. But in a way, I think that that's what makes this album sound so fresh today. Um, it has, it may not have been the best album that they ever recorded when it was released in 1970, but I think it has aged as well, if not better than just about all their albums. Um, and I really like that. And I think this is, this has always been an album that I've reached for, um, going back again, you know, more than half of my lifetime and, I continue to do so today and it's just you know for an album that I want to reach for and listen to and just spend a half of an hour enjoying an evening um, this is one that I will pop on the record player absolutely uh, it's one of the first ones I think of uh, with the Beatles and um, yeah I I can't help but put it at number one on my list I did an episode on this podcast um, back i guess it's september 2023 when i'm recording this so probably almost a year ago not well not quite a year ago um where i kind of dove into 
some more stuff about this album, Let It Be, and why it's why it has personal meaning for me. And I kind of talked a little bit about my uh, collection of Let It Be related uh, memorabilia, if you will, and media. Um, so if you're interested and you haven't heard that uh, episode yet, I encourage you to go find that in our archives and give it a listen. Um, but yeah, that's that's my top ten Beatles albums. Um, I'm sure there were some surprises in there for you guys. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to know what you guys think of this list and what your favorite Beatles albums are. So if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, you can do so at roadwaywiz at gmail.com. I hope you found this episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast useful. I do have a lot more stuff still to come. Um, I'm working on some other music-related stuff that I'd like to do, um, both individually just with me talking and also with a couple of guests that I have in mind. So I'd like to put that together in the fall, and I hope you guys will enjoy it. It's also, there's some Beatles-related stuff that I'd like to get into with my guests, and uh, also some stuff with their solo careers. Um, Because I think we need to spend some time talking about that stuff also. Some of it is really good, and some of it is also quite forgettable, in fact. But anyway, we'll deal with all of that um, in due course. Um, You've been listening to an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast, a product of Spotify, You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You've been listening to Dan ramble on for the past half an hour, and I certainly appreciate you doing so. Hope to see you right back here for the next episode here of Just Passing Through. It's good to be back recording stuff for the podcast again. Um, I hope to do a a summer recap episode at some point in the near future um, where I kind of explain myself as far as where I've been these last few months. Um, Add that to the list of stuff i got to record. Hopefully my voice holds up long enough to get through all that stuff. I might have to resort to some tea with lemon every once in a while just to get through these segments. But uh, that's all I've got for you on this album. On this album. I guess you could think of it as an album. On this episode. And um, until next time, take it easy. Enjoy the music, whatever it is you're listening to, and happy travels. Thank you for tuning in to uh, an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Uh, We hope uh, you get to listen to us again soon. Have a good one.